step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. Notice the curve in your spine, in your life. 
middle of your back, the curve in your neck. Notice the angle of your head and whether your teeth are together or slightly apart. Feel the texture of your clothing on your skin. Notice the temperature of your body. Sense the weight of your legs and your arms. head. Sense the weight of your whole body. Notice how still your body is and how calm you are. Be present to your body here in this place for a few more moments rest in the stillness hello everyone welcome to America meditating radio that was Carmen Warrington from Australia being in the here and now, something that we sometimes struggle with doing because we're either, as I've been sharing all year, being pulled by our past or perhaps being pulled by our vision or our aim. And so for us to be able to pause at times and observe, what are these thoughts doing? Uh, these thoughts pulling me back to something that's no longer of use for my destiny, or am I using my thoughts and energy and choices to support the vision that's the inevitable? Food for thought. It always gives me pleasure when you take the time to tune into America Meditating Radio. It's been six years going on seven for us now, and we've enjoyed every single moment of being with you, a lot of our guests on the air, and being with you, our fans and supporters of the America Meditating. It's our pure intention to see this continue for decades on, or at least as long as it needs to continue um, until the world becomes this perfect, beautiful place for all of us to live in. I'm not naive to accept that there are many dark forces that exist, and that's one of the reasons why the world seems so popping, especially now, that now that the darkness has emerged even more fully and it's almost in all four corners of the world, in countries, in the hearts of people all around countries, we are struggling with our vices, and the virtues are just sitting there, just waiting for the vices, I think, to get tired in the personality and in the consciousness. But when we really start to listen to what is true and what is pure and what is right, we can accept that we're living a life of leadership. We're living a life of the future. The vision is pulling us. And our success is in this. Our success is in the capacity of our inner contentment with ourselves, even if we're not perfect. Our success is in the courage to allow the vision to keep pulling and not the past to keep pushing. Our success has a lot to do with our honesty with first ourselves, our honesty with the people who are very close to us, our honesty with God. And then our honesty with the general associations that we encounter on a day-to-day -day basis. And imagine for a moment practicing that over and over again, the kind of character and personality that would be shaped within you, within me, within all of us, and what the world would be like if I could actually begin to envision reinventing ourselves towards a real sense of greatness and goodness. Today gives me great pride to welcome Sherry Goodwin. She is an innovative business strategist, leadership coach, author, speaker, and horsewoman with over 25 years of experience, including starting four businesses and serving as director of program strategy for a global engineering firm. 
One of her startups was an IT staffing and consulting firm. It generated $2.1 million in the first year. As a former environmental scientist, she led the development of winning proposals valued to up to $65 million. She presently owns Jager 2 and helps leaders position themselves for optimum impact and quality life. She is the author of two inspirational Amazon bestsellers, Take the Reins, Seven Secrets to Inspired Leadership, and Reinventing Greatness, Leading Yourself and Others Through Change with Confidence and Trust. Now, Sherry was a founding member of the board for George Mason University's Women in Business Initiative, and she's the board chair of the Women's Business Council for the Fog Care Chamber of Commerce, and she serves as a member of the advisory board for the Be the Change Foundation. She holds membership in the Equine Experiential Education Association and International Coach Federation. She's got a horse. The name is Lemon Squeezy. Serves as an ambassador for the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation. She's helping ex-racehorses in need. Today we welcome Sherry Goodwin. Hi, Sherry. Welcome to the air. So nice to have you. Oh, thank you so much, Sister Janet. It's an absolute honor to be here. And I'm so glad we share the friendship with this amazing soul called Diane Hayworth. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. She is one bright light and force of good in the world. What a beautiful spirit, huh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's going to be doing a session on her beloved principles at George Mason University on February 11th, I think. So definitely would love your support in her pushing her beloved principle forward, which I think is very powerful. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you. So, look, your background is very diverse, and you have a master's degree in biology, degrees in zoology and English. I could see you love studying. You were certified <laughs> in uh, executive coaching, and you've assisted, you know, a lot of uh, support with your horses and a former environmentalist and all of these wonderful things. It seems like you keep reinventing yourself. What's motivating you to do that? Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, I'm reinventing right now as I'm talking. <laughs> mm, get that. And, um, yeah, so it's it's an ongoing dynamic process. And I, I think for me it's really about learning and getting closer to my own truth and and the truth, which is, uh, as Diana is always talking, it's it's love, you know, this universal, beautiful force that can unite us all. Um, but what really motivates me is trying to figure out uh, where I can add the most value at any moment. And so the the context for that may shift. It looks a little bit disparate kind of throughout my career. But it's really about finding that kind of that pocket where I can make what I feel is the best contribution, the best use of my skills and talents at the time to um, to help people in the world. No, that's so beautiful. And, you know, was there something going on in your life that brought you to that place? Or was it something that you felt deep within you? It was just tucked in your DNA waiting to emerge. And that's such a great question. I actually think it's the latter. I think it's always been tucked into my DNA, waiting for me to have the courage to emerge and to allow it to start to blossom and give myself permission to be, oh, gosh, vulnerable and just surrender to something bigger than myself. And I was just sharing with somebody the other day about the first part of my career was kind of about me, 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 you know, I, doing all of those things that, that society expects. You get the, the degree and then the advanced degree and you get the job and you have the 401K and there's all these things. It's all about that kind of, well, for some people, material collection and trying to make it in some way. And at one point it started to really switch. That didn't work for me anymore and I was bumping up against my own feeling of integrity and value and something bigger, something bigger was, was just calling forth, and I felt it as this, like, light inside my body. In fact, so much so that when I worked for the engineering firms, I would actually wear black or gray or brown <laughs> to try to try to make it go, like, like, not be seen. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Amazing, right? It's just, yeah. You know what's been fascinating me, and I've been thinking a lot about it lately, is... Many of us have done what we believe we're supposed to do. And whether it's in a marriage, at school, with our family, with our friends, with with our kids. And yet, 
if we did everything right, why is it sometimes the soul still feels unfulfilled? Have you ever had that thought? <laughs> Always. <laughs> yeah, listening to that voice is calling this relentless something in there. I'm like, isn't it satisfied? Isn't it enough? And and it's not about that. It's not coming from a place of lack. It's coming from a place of, oh, there's more. Yes, and there's yes. so much more abundance. And just release that fear or challenge that assumption or that belief and be able to step more fully into this light and share with others. I love that. The, and that's what happens. I think we get confused and we think that that lack or that void is coming from something at a loss or empty within, but it could be the awe that's trying to pull the soul. Hey, now that you've done that, let me show you what else is waiting for you. But we sometimes go back into a different place within ourselves and get caught up there for a moment and miss the opportunity. Or maybe maybe just spend some time there sorting stuff out, maybe stuff that we would have missed. Who knows? But I do know that it's become important for us to see that there is an awe, that there is a more, and it's not because of anything lacking, but it's just the nature of our souls. And, and I love that. And I think people who are reinventing themselves are living in the awe, and, and that's you. So let's hear about your company, Jaeger 2. Educate our listeners as to its mission, its vision, its purpose. Sure, yeah. So the funny thing about me is I, I look pretty normal. <laughs> <laughs> on the outside. So really for, for the for most people I'm a business strategist and a leadership coach, you know, and I have this whole thing about helping leaders navigate change with clarity and confidence. That's all true. Help them achieve their big goals. But really what I'm doing is I'm helping them align with their authentic power, which is their truth, this truth I talked about in the beginning for deeper impact. And the way that I do that is I integrate nature and horses and my whole background into this because there's there's an ecosystem that I think is really important, this kind of concept to embrace as you go forward, because it's really not just you going forward on your own, which is dreadfully scary. It's an ecosystem effect, and when you can start to embrace that and look at all of these different interrelationships and align your energy vibrationally with others on that same journey, you can really feel the power in that and feel supported, and it's less scary. So it makes sense. Important, too. The new book that's out, Reinventing Greatness, what's it all about and what inspired you to write it? Oh, yeah. So I wrote my first book years ago, Take a Rain, and that was fine. I thought I was done with the whole book thing because that was terrifying. And uh, <laughs> I finally got out of that, and um, then suddenly I found myself in the space of getting a new horse which I never mm. thought I would get a new horse. I, I have other horses, but my, my horses were, um, were aging and some were retiring, and I thought maybe I have one more horse in me. I'm in my 50s. If I have one more that I can just you know, go and do trail rides with or whatever. So I developed my list of appropriate criteria for myself, and I went out and I started kind of poking around. And I, I wasn't that eager to buy one. It was kind of like if I found the right one, I'd be fine. But anyway, I went out to, to ride this one horse who was supposed to be appropriate, and I got on him, and then I got off him within about one, one minute. So um, I was about to leave, and the people said, oh, you know, there's a, we have this little ex-racehorse, and, and, you know, he's looking for a home. And I said, no, I, don't, I really don't want an ex-racehorse. I had worked with those in my 20s, and they're great, but they require a, a lot of work, and um, they sure. can be dangerous and things. So anyway, I went into the barn. I felt bad because I thought, well, maybe I shouldn't be rude. I'll just go in there and look. And what happened, this is really, I think, a moment of divine intervention. It was so unexpected. I turned the corner, and I, I looked at this horse, and he turned and, and looked at me. He had this little piece of hay out of the corner of his mouth, and, and our eyes met, and something happened. Honestly, it sounds crazy. But the next thing I knew, uh, he was getting tacked up, and I was getting on him, and I rode him for about two minutes because he didn't really know anything. And in that moment, this whole program downloaded into my head. I was almost speechless. So the poor guy who was... He was a, a like a riding trainer guy, and he doesn't know about this kind of stuff. And I said, he said, what's the matter? I said, I don't know, but I think I could do a program with him, and we could do videos and a book. And he's like, who is this babbling idiot up here? <laughs> you know? 
And, <laughs> and I just had this moment that was so much bigger than me just having this horse because I recognized him and I could see that he had this, the horse had this bigger mission to be able mm. to transform himself from an ex-race horse to his new career yet to be determined, it would parallel that same track that many of my clients take and that I have followed. And I thought, what if we could do this in real time and I could videotape it in front of a live audience and just coach them through the journey, coach each other and see what transpires. And so that's what happened. And that was the How did that go? Well, it was, it was, again, my word of the day must be terrifying, but <laughs> the first time we, we launched was, uh, and when the calling happens, it doesn't care about it being convenient or good weather yes. or anything. It just comes, and you better respond. So it was February, and it was 8 degrees. We had our first workshop. I thought, no one's going to show up for this, and, I, you know, it's, it's freezing cold. My eyelashes were even starting to <laughs> freeze shut, but... Um, we had, I think, 35 or more people, almost 40 people in there. And wow. it was just a sanctuary of possibility. And it's catapulted relationships and, and more programs and then led to the genesis of this book. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's just moving along. That's amazing. You know, I was at a, a dinner and I met a dog called Leo. And I thought that Leo was just, you know, she just loved my brother. But then... I watched Leo move from person to person in the house, and he just stayed five, maybe eight minutes with each person and just gave love and looked into your eyes. And would you believe when I told you I woke up that day thinking about Leo and the love that he was showing us to remember we are? So I can only imagine, because a horse has, to me, a hundred times more powerful of a presence than a dog, but I can only imagine the experience you must have had with that horse and who that horse is. Do you think, like, animals are just born with their own personal personality trait that, you know, it's not like we put it in there, they're just born with it? Or can we actually put those feelings or experiences in certain animals? What do you think? You know, I think it's like people. I think you, know, you have kids, and your kids are born who they are, and then you, you give them the right. try to set some structure and influence their personality, and, and you do to some extent, and um, and they are their own person. And the same thing is true with, with animals, I believe. Yes, great. I can't wait to meet that wonderful little angel of yours. Oh, oh me too. I love horses. So, you know, writing a new book is always an interesting process. Some of us get a download within a month or two or three. Some of us, it takes five years. From the book, the new book, Reinventing Greatness, what would you share with our listeners as to the key component to really stepping into that part of you that can begin to reinvent the self? So it's been interesting, this journey with Lemon Squeezy, and I do have four other horses. I've had 11 horses, actually, in my life, and for, for anybody who's into numerology, which I dabble in lots of things, not necessarily numerology, but my first horse was an X-race horse, and he is my 11th horse, so there's a 1 and a 1-1, one, one, which I think is pretty significant. But the what I've learned from him and some of the work that I've done is the power of perception of yourself, of others, and the environment. And what I mean by that is within the awareness of, say, self, other, or the environment, there's usually at least three ways that a horse can look at you or a person can look at you, and that you can be perceived as a safe place, as a threat, or as invisible. And I like to simplify things down to their basic components, and that's part of my scientific background, just distill it down so that I can actually understand it and then hopefully convey it to others and teach it. Uh, so there might be a lot of other components here, but these are the, the main ones. And I think for anyone who's reinventing, it can be very scary and it can be very daunting and you can see a lot of threats. And the first thing is you want to be a safe place for yourself. So what does that mean to be a safe place for yourself? It can mean anything. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you need in order to, to feel comfortable enough and for sure meditating as my go-to every day to be able to just clear out and settle and get present right. with my own truth or, or without an agenda just to clear that out 
and be a safe place for whatever wants to be born within me that day. Right. And that would be my first tip for, for the reinvention process. It's a good tip. Now, there are many of us who struggle with self-trust. Mm-hmm. So, you know, is there a role that trust plays as well in the reinvention process? Trust is probably the key. It really is the key. Mm. Self-trust is, uh, and trust in others, trust in yourself, is one of the biggest things that I've worked on most of my life and continue to in every area. There's always new opportunities to deepen trust, self-trust. Rachel Connerly and her group over at Collaborative Leaders has a really nice model that I actually used in this book, and it talks about trust being consisting of three different components, and that's competence, which would mean in, in the workspace, it would mean can you do the job? You know, do you have the skills and ability to do the job? And the second thing is predictability and reliability. So when you're assessing another person, you know, do they show up on time? Do they do what they say they're going to do or you know, whatever? But you can use these criteria for yourself. So do you show up for yourself? You know, are you predictable for right. yourself? Do you keep your own word to yourself? And then the last piece of it is benevolence. Do you have your own best interest in mind? Do others have mm. your best interest in mind? So really looking at it from this heart-centered leadership perspective, you know, what are my own best interests? And am I honoring those? Am I being reliable and predictable for myself? Am I keeping my word to myself? Or do I keep rescheduling myself for other people? You know, that's, that's part of building self-trust and confidence. Beautiful. Would you share a little bit about, you know, something that you have learned uh, in terms of when your final line went into that book? Could you identify that moment that you went through for you that was like, wow, your aha? For this book, mm. this book I wrote from a place of, a fuel, I call it a fuel source. So the fuel source for me is one of two things. It's either fear or love. And fear has lots of different permutations like doubt and anxiety and all this, basically all fear. And love, which I don't use the L word all the time with my clients unless we're ready to go there because it can be off-putting for folks in the the corporate world, I use confidence and trust. It's kind of a nice, handy euphemism. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then we Mm -hmm. ease our way into the love. (laughs) (laughs) So for this book, Reinventing Greatness, required me for it to be written from a place of absolute love and trust and sincerity. And that's Mm. what I aim to do. And when I finished it with uh, Lemon Squeezy being now the ambassador for the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation and kind of the the last chapter is all about resilience and there's some some incredible experience I had in there with a, a white pigeon. It was all, it's all about love. That's what it is. It's my gift, you know, gift to the world, whoever it may resonate with. You know, I hope it touches you, and I hope it reaches you, and I hope it's helpful. And for those who it's not, that's fine too. But it's out there, and it's coming from a place of absolute and sincere love and trust. Mm, Lovely. Now, the world is made up of a lot of us, seven point something billion, and each of us carry a particular way of perceiving ourselves or interpreting things. So you talk in the book about the importance of perception and how we see the world. Could you go a little bit deeper in that for our listeners? So every day we have an opportunity to wake up and think about what can I contribute to the world? What do I want to have unfold in my life today? And the more intentional that you can be about that, coming from a place of service to other, deep felt, heart, heartfelt service from other, using this beautiful muscle we've been given in our chest, the heart, which is a spiritual, divine, guiding force. Where do you want to place that that day? It could be you know, you're going to the grocery store and you just you smile at the cashier or you make a comment about how beautiful their nails are <laughs> or mm-hmm. anything. And what we're doing by that is building more and more reserves to be able to do our great work in the world, where whatever that may be, it doesn't matter what it is, whether you're a teacher or a policeman or you collect trash at the recycling center or you're the president, it doesn't matter. You know, it's all, we're all in this together. So every day we have a choice about how we will choose to perceive the world. If your world is a scary, horrible place, you can choose in that moment to think about it in a different way, 
and to try to see the gifts in that and where you can actually start to influence a new vibration and create a new opportunity for yourself. Mm, beautiful. Love to hear that. So what happens when you actually find that you know, we're aligned. I know when alignment happens, it's like everything just flows. But is there a way that we can prepare ourselves to get into the mode of alignment? That's one. And secondly, what actually happens as a result of alignment? So I'm always kind of working towards it as kind of a powerful word. You want to allow, you want to set it up for success. This is what I'm finding. And I, I don't always, I'm not always aligned. Sometimes I'm so far off. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. I'm all over here looking at myself and how out of alignment I am. So it's a, it's a daily practice, you know. It's it's the the a human condition. I think is the strive for this alignment and love and trust. So, again, for me, my attempt was to to distill it down to three parts. And and I'm trying to help folks get into this high impact zone, which is this place of alignment, this place of flow, where everything that you're doing is. You're doing it with the least amount of effort to get the most powerful result. So there are three areas. There's this fuel source, which is what's motivating you from moment to moment. Is it worry and doubt? Is it confidence and trust? Is it neutral? What kind of energy? So being aware of the energy that you're holding every moment, from moment to moment. And then there's a vision. You know, what do you want to see unfold that day? And, it, and you can use this in business as for five-year plans for strategic planning, or you can use it for, for your day, planning out every single day, even moment to moment, one meeting within the day so it works. Or you can scale it up, scale it down. So getting intentional about a vision that you'd like to see unfold. So this is clarity of vision and the fuel source. Those are the two parts. And then specific action. And when you have and, and I describe this as a high-impact leadership model. So when you're playing with these three different aspects and you have good, positive fuel, a clear vision of what you want to have happen, and you begin to stay, take appropriate action that advances that, you end up in this high-impact zone of alignment. And that's the place where you t- take the least amount of effort to get the biggest result. So the feeling there, the reason I, I pulled it that together that way is based on my work as a business strategist and, more importantly, having that validated by horses because horses move away from fear and doubt and they move towards Mm -hmm. confidence and trust. And so do businesses and so do opportunities and so do relationships. So when we start to be mindful of that dynamic and get clear on the vision that you want to have happen, let's say you want to go get a new job and you're terrified. If you Mm -hmm. can't get your energy and you go up to the interview, but if your energy is very self-deprecating and feeling like you're not worthy, you're not going to get that job most likely, and you're self-sabotaging. So one mm. tweak to that fuel source. Meanwhile, your vision is good and your action's good, but your fuel is screwed up. So once we make a little tweak to that and see where, where this is going, you can get yourself into that high-impact zone. So that place of alignment is that, that feeling of uh, it's stripped of fear. You have this mm-hmm. kind of certainty, confidence, purposeful way of walking through the world. Mm-hmm. And what's your definition of fear? Oh, that's such a great question. Hmm. I think for me, my definition of fear would be anything that moves me away from my own personal mission. Mm-hmm. Nice. 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 I like that. Leadership is under scrutiny a lot now. I, I'm not even sure what it means anymore. And historically, it's like that. People with a lot of authority have a great opportunity to make the world into heaven or make it into hell. And unfortunately, history has been written by a lot of men, and they've omitted the voices and the supporting factors in which women have been always the nurturers and the care bearers and the, and the peacemakers, and they've never inserted our names in history. And we're at a point now where a lot of things are being absorbed and are being revealed that were swept under the carpet. And we are, I don't even know if we're looking for leadership anymore or are we more aware now that we have to become the leader that we wish to see in the world. So what do you mean by when you share in the book as well or just talk about the high-impact leadership that is a need? I mean, like, how does that actually work if you're a high-impact leader? 
Yeah, and I agree with you. There, become the leader you wish to see. That's absolutely true, and it starts at the individual level, even in your family. So leadership starts with you. It doesn't have to be assigned externally through an organization or anything. You make a decision to be the leader of your own life, and, and you move through that. So for me, it's mindfulness, really. That's the basic, self-awareness, awareness of other, you know, what energy are you holding right now? You know, what are you feeling right now? Because if it's coming from a, a place of, of fear, doubt, prove it, warring factions, you can spark inadvertently a conflict without really doing anything other than having energy that is so volatile like that. Mm-hmm. Really gaining awareness around the energy that's driving, that's motivating some of the behaviors is the first thing. And then having the, uh, again, I'm distilling this down to its simplest components just for the ease of this conversation, but the vision, too, reaching out to other people. You know, what is the vision? What do we want to see happen here? So having a a vision that's created in a collaborative way instead of just an edict of this is how it's going to be. Really getting input from your constituents, getting input from your board members, getting input from your your team, your staff, getting feedback. And, and I'll tell you, sometimes feedback is the hardest thing to get, uh, mm-hmm. honest feedback, first of all. And then once you get honest feedback, boy, you better do something with that because that is a mm-hmm. gift. And I've worked in one organization where we solicited feedback, uh, I did, through my superiors, and I was completely surprised by what happened. They gave me feedback, and I had reached out to many, many people <laughs> in the organization personally, and they trusted me. And so I was mm-hmm. most grateful to get this feedback, and I rolled it all up and presented it to, to my senior leadership. And um, they were angered by the feedback, and they got defensive by the feedback, and they had their arms crossed, and they lashed out about the feedback, and they made personal attacks on the poor people who were willing enough to to give their name to some of this feedback. And Mm. I thought, what is happening here? I can't even believe this is happening. And it all blew over, and no action was taken. No Mm. action was taken. That's a huge violation of trust. Yes, so yes. you can't do that as a leader. You know, this is about talking about the fuel. Well, that fuel was in a volatile, ego-oriented, negative state. The vision that they had was, I don't want those people to work for me if they don't like the way things are, the status quo. And their action was, we're going to dismiss them. We're going to make them seem invisible by taking no action. Why is it that some leadership does that? What is it that they get out of it? Is it that they are experiencing the fear of losing control? Or what has has been your observation why certain leaders go there? I'm in a very strong leadership role, and there are times in which I sense that, you know, it's not matching the vision, but more for me, more for me. It's, it's not it's not matching the intention, the subtle energy behind fulfilling that vision. So I would openly just share, well, I'm so sorry, you know, we're not going to be able to, you know, really continue with this energy because that's not where we're going. Is that different or am I doing something wrong? Oh, I think that's exactly right. And the, okay. the more transparent that we can be with that, because, again, mm-hmm. it gets back to vulnerability and your question around it's really a power thing, right? So. If right. folks really get, uh, if they feel their power is being challenged, the mm-hmm. easiest thing, the easiest thing to do is to lash out and make the other person discredit the other. Yes, I've I'll seen that. Mm-hmm. Other, right, we see that, and that that is the easiest, in my opinion, it's the weakest way to lead. So. The opposite of that is okay, being heard, as you said, this isn't matching our vision. Mm-hmm. And we're going to move in this way. Being a leader is hard. It, you have to take risks. Yes. You have to make rules sometimes or decisions that are unpopular. But understanding the why behind the decision and having people, they may not like it, but they're going to respect you if you're transparent about the why. Mm-hmm. I get that. I think that's very important. And I think the vulnerability also shows a sign of the openness to want to keep reinventing a company or an organization that I don't have to stay always this way. But one thing that I have observed, which is really important in any company, organization, or family, is to check that our core principles and values are not being compromised. Yeah, because to me that has always been a big fuel. 
It's a huge fuel, and that's the first thing. I usually start with the values with any work that I do with mm. my individuals or strategic planning with organizations. We start with a review of values, personal values and organizational values. And sometimes Beautiful. there's overlap and sometimes there's not. And sometimes there's – then that's an interesting conversation because there's um, a lot of subjectivity around how we define values. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. even when I wrote Reinventing Greatness, I had a little example. I have a little example, a figure in there, a list of values. <laughs> and as I was writing it, I thought, wait, are these values or are these something else? What do you call these things? You know, the labels, the, the nomenclature that we use to characterize values or what we like, or it's very murky. So just mm-hmm. that exercise is hugely valuable and getting alignment around the shared core values, core principles, and then a vision for where we want to go. Because at any point, this is what, what happened for me in corporate, I would tell my staff, you know, why, I would ask them, why are you here? Because we all have a choice. You know, I come in here and I do a commute for, for X number of you know, hours or whatever because I believe in fill in the blank. What drives you to be here? Because it's a choice. And when people feel disempowered that they have no choice, they start acting very not not in, in alignment really with their best self. Right, I agree with that. And then you don't get the best in the company. It, right. it starts to be a drainage on the company's success. So with all the good that you've done and all the amazing ways you've showed up in life, what's next for Sherry? <laughs> well, thank you for, mm-hmm. for saying that. It's kind. Now, what's next for me? Oh, goodness. I'm always inventing and reinventing. So the the latest thing I just put forth is, is a little program running a seminar on the winter solstice actually in December with my horse Fresco because I'm actually a very big proponent of what is right in front of you, what's emerging right in front of you right now, and it might look like a big mess, it might be painful, and there might be some incredible wisdom and something to share there. There are lessons, there's beauty, there's gifts right there. So back in September, my older horse, Fresco, who's 20, he's been with me since before he was born, I've known him since he was inside his mother, had to have emergency mm-hmm. surgery at a vet. And it was very unexpected, and he was there for a week, and he's uninsured, so let's just leave it at that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, he's making a comeback, and uh, he's had a team of experts around him that are bringing his health back, and he's looking great. And I got from him, you know what, I'm here, I'm back, I can do something. What do you want to do with me? So I designed a program for called Reinventing Greatness, Leading Your Comeback for people who might want to come out and watch me and Fresco as we start to uncover what it takes to come back and what it takes to start kind of from scratch and figure out, sort yourself out, you know, what's working, how's working, what steps can you take? And this is really for anyone in the reinventing space. Um, it's also the same type of uh, protocol that you would use for you know, achieving success of any sort, but we're going to do mm-hmm. it by way of the horse. So um, I've never done this before with him ever. I may actually mm-hmm. sit on him. He hasn't been ridden in over three years. But um, there's a synergy there in the the, uh, the physical between us. So we have a physical, Beautiful. spiritual, mental, and emotional relationship, and, and we're going to explore that in front of a live audience. So that's what's Beautiful. next, and we'll see what happens after that. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's going to be sweet. Well, congratulations in advance. Could you leave us with a website where individuals can find out more information? Oh, sure. I'd be delighted to. It's www.jager2, and that's J-A-E-G-E-R, the number two, dot com. Perfect. Shari, thank you so much for joining us on air, and lots of good wishes for your continued journey. Thank you so much. (laughs) It's been an absolute pleasure. I really appreciate it. Mm, Me too. Take care. Take care. All right, folks, that was Shari Goodwin, and for more information, just go to Jaeger2.com, J-A-E-G-E-R, 2.com for more information. Really enjoyed her, really beautiful spirit. Remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission, and we really are here to love each other the same. Think about that for a little bit as we roll into 2020. You're capable to love everyone the same, and to observe how it makes you feel. (laughs) Here's Kristen Hoffman, Love and Gratitude. Take care, everyone. Be kind.
I'm Sister Jenna. You've been listening to America Meditating Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Did you enjoy that conversation? Because you can also listen to it on Spotify or on iTunes, 24-7, anytime, anywhere. I do trust we all have inner power to become our very best. When we listen with curiosity to learn more, we grow. So thanks so much for tuning in, and do be easy on yourself. Take care.
With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.